it's a new series called Two Steps Forward, One Step Back. What we did for the last five weeks or so is we spent some time looking at what is faith. We looked at Hebrews chapter 11 and we unpacked a, a definition of faith and we said, look, it's, it's a confidence and an assurance in the person of Jesus, recognizing that there's times in our life where God might feel silent or God might feel hidden or God might feel invisible And how do we still hold on to a faith in the midst of all of that? And it's recognizing the person of Jesus and having a confident assurance in that person. So we spent five or six weeks talking about that. What is faith? Well, what we want to do for these next four weeks is now go the next step with that and say, how do we live that out? How do we live that faith out? And we're looking at one person in particular, one person that the Bible calls the the father of faith. Paul talks about, says this is a father, our father of faith. We're going to be looking at Abraham in the Old Testament, okay? We're going to spend the next four weeks looking at Abraham's life, Abraham and Sarah, the person that he married. We're going to look at their life, their trek, and how he really became the father of faith. How did he live that out? And what can we do to be, what can we get that would inspire us to live that out as well? We're calling it two steps forward, one step back. And the reason why is that for most of us, as we start to explore faith and as we started getting into stepping into what this looks like, to have God as kind of the center of what's going on in our life, the filter through which we we, we filter life, a lot of times we will take one really great step forward in that. And we'll feel like, wow, we're, I'm, I'm progressing and I understand this and I'm, I'm getting a little bit further. But then what happens is something happens in our life, a decision that we make, something happens to us or in us or whatever, and we take a step back from that. And we look and we go, oh man, I was, I was right there and now I'm not so much. But for us, what happens a lot of times is we end up taking another step back. And now we're a couple of steps back. We went a step forward and then we're two steps back. And in this place, a lot of times we'll describe this as desert. It's a desert time in my faith when I don't feel connected to God anymore. And I once did feel connected to God. And now I don't feel connected to God. And we've taken these two steps back. In this place, in this kind of desert place, we're we're, we're kind of searching and wondering. But then we sometimes fall into apathy in this place. We kind of settle in this place. And what happens over time is we take one step forward and a couple steps back. One step forward and a couple steps back. And the next thing you know, you're going, man, I remember when. I remember when it used to be so much richer in, my, in, in this pursuit of God than it is today, and we're further away. What we want to do over these next four weeks is look at the father of our faith, look at Abraham, and how he would take two steps forward in his faith. And then he would take a step back. Man, he wasn't perfect by any means, and he'd make some foolish decisions. He'd make some things where he did not trust God, where he wasn't obedient to God. He wasn't following God. There were, there were times where he'd take a step back, but instead of lingering here or continuing to fall back, he would take another two steps forward. And then he might take another step back, but instead of being fully discouraged by this and just going, I guess this is what I'm going to do, like what we do, he said, no, I'm going to take two more steps forward. And the next thing you know, Abraham's down here and he's going, man, I have grown a lot in my confidence and in my assurance of who God is in my life. He went from there to here. And the question for us is, how do we do that too? How do we learn from him? How can we be inspired by him to go from there to here so that we can grow in our relationship with the Lord, so we can figure out what this looks like to filter our life through God, so we can see the how when it comes to faith. 
So let's spend some time talking through that stuff. Let me pray together first, and then, uh, and then we'll start digging into to the life of Abraham. Father, we thank you that you're here today. We thank you that we don't have to invite you here, that you are here. And we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us. God, every single one of us, whether it's the, the biggest skeptic that's in the room right now or someone that has loved you for a long time, I think every one of us has a, has a desire to know you or to know you more. Even the one that didn't, didn't even think about that coming in here today. We have a desire to know you. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to get to know you more, but then also that that knowledge might turn to even maybe even a love for you. And that maybe that love for you might actually even turn into a life for you. I pray, Lord, that wherever we stand along that path right now, today, help us to take a step forward in knowing you, in loving you, and in living for you. So help us, God, today to do that. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, here's what we're going to do, you guys. I'm going to set the table for us. We're going to be spending time in Abraham over these next, uh, these next four weeks. In Genesis, Abraham, the story of Abraham starts around Genesis 11, and it goes into the latter part of Genesis, at least for the next 10 chapters or so. And so we're going to set the table from Genesis around Abraham. Now, in order to do so, we've got to talk some history, okay? Now, I know some of you guys could care less about history from 1,800 years before Jesus. You're going, man, I just want to know what what God means to me today. I need to know that God's going to be there when I confront my boss in a couple of days. I, know that, I need to know that God's going to be there when I get the courage to ask that girl out. I, know that, I need to know that God's going to be there when, we, when my wife and I go through our finances and we're on the edge of, of battling with each other. I need to know that God's right there with us. You want God now. We all do. And so some of you are going, man, I don't care about that history stuff. But you guys... History is something that grounds us in our faith because it says this is real. It's grounded in people that went through it. And we've got to grab hold of that history. I got someone that came to me once and said, Bill, I hear your Jesus stuff, but he says, I just find God in the wind. God is the wind. And I'm going, now, where did you get that? He says, I don't know. I made it up, but it's so good for me. And I'm looking, I'm going, okay, that's fine for you, but I'm not betting my life on that. I'm not going to live my life for that thought that you might have around it. i got to have something that I'm, I'm compiling the evidence and making a decision. And so I need something that I can stand on. And history helps us to stand on something as we see what other people were doing. And so I'm, we're going to give you some history around Abraham. Now, I've been right where you're at, and I've heard sermons with history in them. I'm going, oh, in one ear and out the other. Get me out the door. You get back in your minivan, you go, whew, thank God there were donuts today, because that's the only thing I got out of it. You know, there's, there's, you, you, you have that response sometimes to it. That's my response sometimes to it. I, I see maps on the screens and I'm going, I'll never remember that. So here's what I'm going to do. I've worked hard at turning a map into a, like a 3D or a 2D map right here on the stage. We're bringing a map off the screen and right here, and I'm going to help you guys to see Abraham and what he was, what, his life and what he was going through. I'm going to bring it right here. I've worked like crazy on it. And, and, and so I'll show you. So, so this is Ur. Okay? This is where Abraham was born. 
This, see how this map is starting here? This will be the south. This will be the north, west, east. Okay? He started in Ur. Now, if you guys think this is really corny right now that I'm doing this and think, gosh, Bill, really, he's scraping the bottom of the barrel on this illustration here. If five years from now you're talking about, remember that day Bill scraped the bottom of the barrel and Abraham was born in Ur? If you remember it, I don't care. Call it, call it a stupid, stupid illustration so long as you remember it. So, so this is Ur. This is where Abraham was born, okay? Present-day Iraq, okay? So Abraham's born there. His dad's Terah. Terah decides to take Abraham and Sarah. His name was Abram at the time, not Abraham. Abram means uh, exalted father, and Abraham means father of many. And God eventually changes his name to Abraham. I'll be going back and forth, sometimes calling him Abraham, sometimes Abram, okay? His name eventually is Abraham. At the time, he's Abram. Abram and Sarah, Sarai at the time but eventually Sarah, they start here with Terah, Abraham's father, in Ur. Well, they, they then travel this direction. Which direction are we going, you guys? We're going north, right? We're going northwest. They travel northwest to a city called Haran. Now, we're going to spend some time here in Haran for a little bit because this is where Terah settles. Terah comes in here, settles in Haran, and this is where Abraham and Sarah spend most of their life is right here in Haran. Okay? Now, we got to know some, some history around Haran for you to understand the power and what he did in stepping, in stepping into this place of faith with God. Okay? In Haran, this was a pagan culture. And what we mean by a pagan culture is the biggest buildings in that city were temples. And those temples were built to the gods. And the gods, these pagan gods that they had, everyone was afraid of. They only want, they built these temples so they could appease the gods so the gods wouldn't deliver their wrath on these people. So the reason why we had these massive buildings that were there for these, these, these pagan gods is because is they're just afraid. And so they'd build them and they'd worship them there. And so then that's why sacrifices would happen. They'd sacrifice to these gods so that the gods would, they'd appease them. So they'd sacrifice animals to the gods. They'd sacrifice their livestock to the gods. They'd sacrifice virgins to the gods. They'd sacrifice prostitutes to the gods. They'd sacrifice babies to the gods. And you just go, what kind of a world was that? It was a pagan world where the more fearful they got, the worse the sacrifice became. So this is all they knew of God. All they knew of the gods were that they were people out to get you. They were these, this deity that was out to get you and that they had to continue to appease them by giving them this stuff. And so that's, that's the world that Abram lived in. Now, also in this world, this was a world where, where you didn't travel, you, you just followed your dad. If your dad was a carpenter, you became a carpenter. If your dad was a tax collector, you became a tax collector. If he was a shepherd, you became a shepherd. You just followed in your dad's footsteps. And so you got your dad's job. You got your dad's land. You got your dad's inheritance, his money. And so you just followed him. So when Terah settles here, Abraham settles here. And he, his life is as predictable as it gets. His life is appease the pagan gods, follow in his dad's footsteps. His dad eventually dies. He gets his land. He gets his money. He just keeps right on rolling. That's, that's Abraham's world, okay? In the middle of that world, in the middle of that life, that predictable Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, that predictable world, 
Here comes, although I don't think the dates were actually there back then, but in the middle of that world, here comes God, the God that we know, the God that comes to him and says, God told Abram, leave your country, your family, and your father's home for a land that I will show you. Leave your country, your family, and your father's home for a land that I will show you. You guys, they didn't leave. They weren't going on college trips to find out how, what the University of Ur looked like. They, they, they just stayed. And he's going, he's going, leave. Leave your father's home. This is, a God, this is God. And he's, all he knew it was, it was a voice. And how compelling would that voice have had to have been? These, it's not a God that cares in his mind for all he knows. But he's saying, I want you to, to, to leave. And I want you to go because here's what I've got for you. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you famous. You'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you and those who curse you, I'll curse. And the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left just as God said. Man, he didn't have a love letter from God. We have that. And so we can go, man, God loves us. And can I trust that? He didn't have the story of Jesus. He didn't have the fact that Jesus lived and died and rose and he did that for us and for our love and so we can put our weight down on that truth and we can have a confident assurance in Jesus. He doesn't have that either. All he has is a compelling voice that says, I want you to go and I want you to be a blessing to other people because I'm gonna bless you. And you start to see why he's the father of our faith. He goes, he steps into total unknown and goes away from all of what was there and continues on. Well, he continues on. He comes, he comes now southwest out of Haran and he heads towards Canaan. Oh, Chris, thanks. Chris just gave me the Mediterranean Sea, okay? <laughs> I worked hard on this, don't laugh. The Mediterranean Sea, it's got, it's got your crustaceans and your, and your flounders. And so, so, <laughs> I know nothing about that. Uh, he, we've got the sea over here. So he's coming south now, Mediterranean Sea to the west. He comes down here to Canaan, okay? This is awesome, you guys. Look at this. He gets to Canaan, and, and, and this is what God says to him. God says, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give you this land. This is the land, Canaan. This is where you eventually find Jerusalem. This is where you find Bethlehem. This is where you find the Sea of Galilee. All that stuff that you see in the New Testament when you read through that and you read about, read about Jesus, it's all right here. And Abraham, Abram comes to this land and God says, I'm going to give you this land. This is what we now call the Holy Land. It's what we now call the Promised Land. Why is it the Promised Land? Because of this promise. God says, I'm giving you this land. And so Abram comes here and God says, this is yours. Now, a famine hits and so Abram doesn't trust God at this point, says, I gotta go figure this out. And he starts heading 
west, he starts heading southwest and gets to Egypt. Now, i got to go through this a little bit quicker because we'll just be stuck on history all morning. In Egypt, this is where the Pharaoh is at, and Sarah is a good-looking woman, and so, so he, he says, I'm afraid that he's going to take my wife and he's going to take my life. And so instead he says, hey, um, Pharaoh, she's really my sister. She's not my wife. Which, you know, probably went over really well with Sarah. You know, she probably was no big deal. Right. Uh, Sarah then goes into Pharaoh's harem, and, and Abraham's life is, is, is saved. And so he doesn't, he doesn't die. Eventually, Pharaoh gets frustrated with, Sarah, with the fact that there's like a plague that's going on, and all this bad stuff's happening because this is happening, because Sarah's there. And he finally says, get back. Why did you lie to me? Abraham, you take your wife, and you guys get out of here. So Abraham and Sarah get out of Egypt. They come back to, to Canaan, and this is where they spend the rest of their life, right here in Canaan, okay? This is where they end up having Isaac. This is where they, you'll hear later on the, the whole thing of, of Abraham bringing Isaac up to to a mountain. We're going to hear about that. This is where Isaac eventually has Jacob, and Jacob has the 12 tribes of Israel, and ultimately that leads down that line to the birth of Jesus, okay? But they bring, bring him back to Canaan, and this is where God takes him outside and says, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. He's light in his years. He's got no children at this point. He's had to leave all this stuff. He's had to step out in faith. He doesn't know what's happening next. He doesn't know, what do you mean offspring? Sarah is barren. We can't have any kids. We can't do this. He says, he says so shall your offspring be. And Abram believed the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness. He believed in God and it was credited to him as right. As this is what God sees is right. Man, he is the father of faith. He stepped out where we don't even, we don't even have it that, that invisible. And he stepped out as the father of faith and said, I'm going to, with obedience, trust you. And that is Oh, that, that, that is history that we need to know. You guys, that's history that's not only in, 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 a, in Christian faith, but that's, that's Islamic history, that is Jewish history. They all have Abraham as part of their history. Now, obviously, we went in lots of different directions after that, and, and, and we, we head right towards Jesus. But, but there, that's history that we need to know. Now, the part that I want to focus on a little bit more today is this part right here. I want to focus on Haran a little bit more. I want to look back at this single moment. Abraham, just like I said, he's just sitting there and he's just following his dad's footsteps and he's, not, he's just going, doing what his dad wants him to do and that's it. And his, his life is predictable. His life is easy, or not necessarily easy, but his life is, he just knows what's going to happen next. And then all of a sudden God comes to him and he says one thing, leave, leave. Do you find that interesting? That's the first thing that God says to him. Out of great care that we know now from God, he says, leave. He pushes Abraham into this place where he's saying, I know that this will be a place where you'll start to filter your life through me. That all of this is predictable and all of this is, is, is you just know it. I'm going to have you step into a life that is filtered through me. You're not going to have a lot of other things to lean on but me. 
You're not going to be able to lean on your security. You're not going to be able to lean on your inheritance. You're not going to be able to lean on your job. But you have to lean on me. He asked him to leave. And it makes, me, it makes me think, how often has God started that conversation with us? How many times has God said to us, it's time to leave? It's time to leave. For some of you, it might be leaving a place. And you, go, and you might remember back when you're just going, man, I knew it was time to leave. It was time for me to step to where God wants me to go and just go, wow, I don't know what's going to happen here. But, man, I'm just going to follow whatever you want from me. Because God's got, God wants to bless us and he wants us to be a blessing. For some of you, it's a place. For some of you, it's a relationship that you got to leave, that you know that you have settled in some, your boyfriend or your girlfriend, you've settled in that relationship and you've just settled back like Tara did here and Abraham and Sarah did here. You've settled and he's going, man, no, I want you to leave. For some of you, it's a, it's a job. Man, I remember for me, I worked for 14 years doing college ministry on the CU campus at, at, at First Press Church. And I loved those 14 years. I loved working with those college students. But in the last couple of years, I think, for a little, I, think I started to settle, not in my, my relationship and what I was doing with college students. I still love that. But I think more just in my own personal faith. I think for me, I just started kind of sitting down. I'm back here in here and I'm sitting down. And I'm going, you know, it's pretty predictable now after 14 years. And I think God was saying, Bill, it's time for you to stand up. It's time for you to leave. It's time for you to step into something where you're just going to go, I don't know where I'm going to be able to lean. I'm going to have to lean on you. For some of you, it's a place. For some of you, it's a job. For some of you, it's, it's, it's a pattern of behavior that you got to leave. You've had a pattern of behavior that you do and you're just going, it's the same old thing and I keep settling in this pattern of behavior. And you got to leave that pattern of behavior. Some of it's a train of thought. It's, it's you've been going down the same tracks. And you're just going, man, i got to leave that. And God keeps telling you to leave it because you keep settling. For some of you, it's a habit in your life. You're just going, man, it's this habit that I keep doing over and over and over again. And God's going, man, it's time for you to leave. It's time for you to step into leaning on me. That habit you might feel is okay because it gives you some sort of sense of security or control. It's time for you to let go of that control and lean on me. It's time for you to leave. But man, we have so much trouble doing that. My cousin Pat in Spokane lived near the Spokane River and he used to invite us down to the river when we were kids and, and we'd say, come on, let's go down here and the river would be flowing this way and it's a big river and it's got a, a pretty strong current in it and he'd say, here's what we're going to do, you guys. We're going to jump in down here and we're going we're gonna to let the current take us down the river and down, way down there at this side, we're gonna, before it goes around the bend, you've got to swim out of the current and get onto the shore and then we'll run down and do it again. We were like 10 we all should have drowned. It's crazy that we did it. But, but, we're, but he wants us to do that. And so we'd come down there. And my three brothers, you know, they just jumped out. They followed Pat right out in the water. And they're floating down, screaming to each other. And they'd get scared down here. And then they'd swim off to the shore. And they'd come back out and they'd do it again. And I remember stepping out and getting about knee deep in the water and just going, I can't do it. I'm not a very good swimmer. This is stupid. I was the only smart one. This is stupid. I can't get out of the current down there. And so I'm just standing on the edge in knee deep in the water and going, no. God is going, hey, step out into my current. Oh, is it dangerous? Yeah, it could be. Is it unpredictable? Oh, yeah. 
Is it something that, that you're going you're gonna to lose some, might even lose a little sense of security from what was there? Yeah, but you're going to gain a new sense of security out here. He's asking us to step out there into that current and let it take us wherever he wants us to go. That's what Abraham did. He stepped out into that current and it let it take him. And listen, he heard God's voice in the midst of it. His voice said this. God's voice says, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. He heard that voice. Do not be afraid. Step out into the current. I am your shield and your great reward. Do we hear that voice? And are you willing to step out and to leave what you might know is secure into something that's not, but really in the end is? Gordon MacDonald says this. He says this in a, in a book called Mid-Course Correction. He says, we have to make our peace with the fact that the biblical notion of life change begins with a voice that spoke into the life of this, of this one who was to become the father of all who believed and said, leave. This voice ascends above all other voices in Abram's life. The voice of culture, the voice of self-interest, the voice of tradition, the voice of security. Leave it all, the voice above all voices says. It ascends above all our voices. The voice of culture, the voice of self-interest, the voice of tradition, the voice of security. And Abraham did. And he stepped out in an act of obedience and an act of trust to a God that was ready to bless him and then ultimately have him be a blessing to others. And that's what he's asking us to do. You guys, we have, we have been shaped to do this from when we were really young. We've been shaped to step out and you know what it's like to step away from that security. How many of you guys um, grew up here in Colorado and went to Calwood when you were in fifth grade? How many Calwood people do we have in here? Okay, for you guys that don't know what Calwood is, Calwood is, 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 a, is a science and nature camp for all fifth graders, I think in this area or maybe in all of Colorado. I, I don't know, but all my kids went to it. They all went to Calwood, and it's this, it's this thing where you can just learn about nature. But that's really not what Calwood is. Calwood is a rite of passage for fifth graders. Calwood is a, is a fifth grader that has to step out and do that, and, and the parents have to let them go. Every parent has to go through it. Every kid has to go through it. And then every teacher has to go through it when they're up at Calwood, and all they're doing is having to help these kids that are crying, going, I miss mom and dad. You know? and, and then there's the dads and moms at home that are crying because their kid's off at Calwood. I mean, I, I look back at it now and I'm going, why wasn't I celebrating? But at the time, you know, it's like, it's like we're crying. In fact, Cody, my friend, man, he was bawling because his daughter went off to Calwood this year for fifth grade. What a baby. Anyway, he's, he's, he's so, so we're, it's, it's a rite of passage for him for this kid to go off to Calwood because they got to learn now. I can't fully lean. On my, on my parents. I got to learn something else. And then you learn that in middle school. Then you learn that in high school. Then you go off to college. And then the parents have to go through the new thing that they got to ball about and send their kids off to college. And I've told you guys this, that when Ella went off to college, I am bawling my eyes out in Whitworth. It's brutal. And you parents that are sending your kids off to college, it's brutal. Deal. It's brutal. <laughs> I mean, it truly is. It stinks. But but when I sent Ella off and I'm crying and I come back home and I'm going, she'll never love me anymore. Uh, when I get back, Don Bachman, one of my mentors, stops me and he says, Bill, 
He says, for the last 18 years, you have prepared her for this moment. You have helped her to take those steps away from you. You have said, there's going to be a day that I'm not going to be primary. I'll be secondary. You're going to need to find primary. And let's hope and pray that primary will be in the Lord in the midst of this life in college. But that will be your new primary. And, and I'm going to be your secondary. We've, you've prepared for that. Because in the end, she had to leave. What's God say to people when they're getting married? What's, what's God say in the Bible about marriage? It says a man should do what? A man should leave his mother and father and join to his wife and the two shall become one. Jim Rabin is, it was the other mentor in my life and a psychiatrist in Boulder and he used to tell me whenever I do premarital counsel or when I do marital counsel, he'd say one of the biggest issues that you're going to see that you're going to face and that you and Jackie even face is have you cut the umbilical cord? He talks about how so many of our marriages haven't fully cut the umbilical cord and so our parents are still our primary and our spouse is our secondary. And he says that has to change and you have to cut the umbilical cord. God is saying you must leave. Leave your mother and father and join to your wife and the two become one because God knows that when you step out into that place, now you've got a new trust and that person, that person before, your parents become secondary but they have a new richer relationship with you because that becomes a voice into your primary that is in your relationship with your spouse. God knows that and asks us to leave. See, he looks at us in our life and all of these things that were primary in our life and he says, I want to be primary. I want you to make me primary. And these secondary things can speak into the primary, which is me in your life. And I know from there you will recognize my voice you will recognize my blessing and you will, I will bless others as a result of it. And we will stand there and we will continue to evaluate whether this is worth it. Is it worth it to stand up and to go, you know what, in, in my job, I'm gonna actually start living this thing out for the Lord. I might even start a Bible study here. Is it worth it? Is it worth it to leave predictable? Is it worth it to leave security? Is it worth it to leave the, 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 the people that have, have spoken in my life before? Is it worth it to leave the habit that I've been doing? Is it worth it to leave the fun of that habit? Is it worth it to leave that train of thought? We will continue to, evaluate whether it's worth it and God will continue to go trust me step into this current and let me take you down this river and Abraham did and it was credited to him as right now when he was there some of us have done that and we've taken that step and now you're in that water, but then you find yourself in that step backwards and you're going, oh, uh, this is where I tend to take two steps backwards. And we look at Abraham, we're going, how did he continue to move forward once he stepped into there? And this is, I wanna just finish with this, you guys. There's a couple of things that we see that help him to move forward instead of backwards in this, okay? There's one of the things that Abraham did to when he stepped into this stuff is he, is, is, is he built altars, okay? He built altars, and here's what you guys need to do. You need to build an altar. There's a YouTube a video of how to build an altar. Just go on there and build an altar right there in your house. You've got to build altars. He built altars. We've got to build altars, okay? The second thing. No, no, no. You guys are going, build an altar? That's an odd one, Bill. Um, what did he do when he built an altar, you guys? 
Every time, well, listen to this passage. This passage says this. It says, we, we, we just read this passage. He says, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I'll give you this land. So he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Every time God spoke to him, he would build an altar there. Why? Because he needed to hear God's voice. He needed to remember God's voice. And he needed to learn what God's voice looked like and sounded like. He needed to learn that voice. And so he built an altar. And for us, my question is, have you built yourself time and space in your life? Have you put time and space in your life? I mean, people always talk about how to do it. Should you do it quiet? Have you put time and space in your life to hear God's voice? To learn what that voice sounds like? To spend time learning his voice and remembering his voice. Have you done that? Have you, have you set up an altar in your life, time and space, to hear his voice? And we got we to gotta be thinking through that and going, do we, do, have we done that? Have you, have you uh, the, the second thing that he did, he, so he said he built an altar. The second one is he didn't kind of leave. He didn't kind of leave. He, had, he, had, he didn't have one foot in the water and one foot out of the water. It wasn't in the gray. He wasn't in the gray area. He was, he was you know, I, a girl I dated for three years. After the three years, we were in the gray area for about six months until Jackie came along and said, you got to get out of that gray area. Time to leave. And she was right, you know. You gotta, is it time for you to stop stepping partially out of what God's asking to leave? When he's saying to leave, are we kind of going, well, I kind of am, but I'm kind of holding back. Abraham fully left. He didn't kind of leave. And the third one is this. He trusted in the hidden promises of God. The hidden purposes of God. See, we evaluate and we say, well, this is God's purpose. And so should I do this or step into God's purpose? Abraham didn't know God's purpose. It was hidden to him. But he still stepped into the hidden purposes of of God and he kept moving when Maurice and Aisha Cox came here they came from Riverside California and they they came here to be our our directors of our high school ministry and over this time that they've been here what they've been sharing with us is they can't believe how they thought that this is what God had for them but instead God has got so that he's got this this awesome stuff where they can invest in high school kids but he's going but God's got something more too to give for them to give out for them to be a blessing hidden purposes that they've had here and we have all been stinking blessed by what Maurice and Aisha have brought to our church. And if you don't know them yet, you need to get to know them because we have been blessed by that. And Jim and I are looking at them, we're going, man, how do we use those guys even more to influence this entire church? Because God has had a hidden purpose in their life and it hasn't just been about high school ministry, but it's been around all of us and what they can do. It's the hidden purposes from Riverside, California to Colorado, to Louisville, Colorado. God's got hidden purposes for every single one of us. And if we sit around and think that we have figured God out, we'll never take the step. But when we step out, we just go, oh man, I get it. God's got hidden purpose for me and I'm gonna keep going to Canaan and wherever else he sends me, I'm gonna leave what I gotta leave because he's got something for me. 
You guys see, we are standing on the edge of the river and God is saying, jump in, stop waiting and jump in and feel it, feel the current, feel the water, feel my presence. I'm gonna bless you and you're gonna be a blessing to others. And the question for every one of us is what do you have to leave to experience that? What is he challenging you to do to experience what he is doing? What step of obedience do we need to take? What step of trust do we need to take? Are you building the altar? So you building that time and space? Are you recognizing the hidden purposes of God in all of it? What are you guys doing? Are you stepping fully? Or are we leaving our foot back on the shore? He just went to Abram and he said, leave. Father, I pray that for each one of us that we would recognize this place in our life that, that we know we need to step away from. We recognize this place in our life where we're going on a track that we just continue to go down. God, we recognize this place in our life where we need to surrender and to step out in obedience. I know, Lord, that you have for every single one of us a desire to bless us and so that we would ultimately be a blessing to others. And so, Lord, help us to step away from where we have settled, to step away from Haran and move towards that fertile valley and head towards a place that you have promised for us, a place where we would be a blessing to other people as we live in to a life filtered through your eyes. God, help each one of us to do that today. It's in your name we pray. Amen.